Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 18 for our study today. Genesis chapter 18. A little bit longer passage for our reading, but uh, to get to understand the whole portion of this passage, we need to look at uh, 33 verses here. But you'll be glad, though, I don't have 33 points, just 33 verses. So here we go. Verse 1 of 18 is. Moses continues his account of first things. Verse 1 says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mammon, heard and took a calf tender and good, and gave it to a young man and prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, well, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed at herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them and set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, is grave and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous spare as the wicked, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, well, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, and I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. And then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and 
And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. And we had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. One of my heroes in life has been my uncle, uh, Uncle Clark. That's my mom's brother. He's gone at this point. He's passed on. Back in the day, he was a field medic in Vietnam. His particular unit was overrun by the Viet Cong at one point. As a matter of fact, he said if you've seen the movie Platoon, what happened to that unit was exactly what happened to their unit. He said the movie got everything pretty, pretty right on. The only thing they missed was the smell. And through his experience, going around picking up his friends, putting them back together as best he could with whatever equipment he had at hand, he became an alcoholic. And that's how I knew him. Over time, he became increasingly bitter and angry, especially bitter and angry against God. I remember even as a boy praying for Uncle Clark and praying that somehow God would get a hold of his life. As time went on, he married a divorcee and she had two daughters from a previous marriage and then he and his wife had twin boys together. His wife was a nominal Catholic and Clark tragically was just a lost angry alcoholic. So all we could do was pray that somehow God would touch his heart, touch his life, and make the difference. Sometimes that's all we can do is pray. As we'll see today in our study, God is in the process of revealing himself to us. He has chosen us for his divine purposes and reassured us with his promises but there are those around us who are in grave danger of facing eternal consequences from a holy and just God. As we'll see in our study, we need to earnestly pray for those who are in harm's way. We've gone back to the beginning in our series in Genesis. From the beginning, God has promised that he would send a redeemer, a promised seed from a woman who would come and destroy evil once and for all. In Genesis 3, God said to Adam and Eve after they sinned against God in the garden that a child would come from a woman who would crush Satan's head. This promised seed would be bruised by the evil one. But this coming Savior, this Messiah, this child would have complete victory for all of humanity over evil once and for all. From that point on, as history unfolded, the opposer, that is Satan himself, unleashed a campaign of deception, chaos, and evil in his determination to destroy this coming seed. And after several ill-fated attacks against his, this promised child, we saw in the 12th chapter of Genesis that the seed line came to Abram. And when Abram was 75 years old, God promised him that the line of the Messiah would go through his seed from his own body. And at that time, God made a threefold commitment to Abram. God promised descendants. I will make you a great nation, he said. God promised blessing. God promised that Abraham and his descendants would be a blessing. He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all peoples of the earth. And then thirdly, God promised land. God said that he would lead him to the land which I will show you. 
So in our passage today, God manifested himself to Abraham in an incredible way, reassuring his commitment to his promises that he had made to Abraham and Sarah. But then God revealed to Abraham his plan to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, which is going to take place in the next chapter, because of the wickedness of these two cities. But there's only one problem with this coming judgment. Once again, Abraham's nephew Lot is in harm's way, and Lot lives in Sodom. And once again, Abraham prayerfully intervenes on Lot's behalf before God and asks God to spare his nephew from the coming judgment of God. So this morning, we have four spiritual principles for your consideration as we answer a call to prayer. And before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, this is your word, and we long to attend to it. We long to hear from you what you have to say. Lord, we want to hear from you, not from this speaker. Teach us, mold us, mature us as we encounter your truth through the power of your Spirit. Open our hearts and our minds to receive it. And Lord, open your word to us by your Spirit that we might have ears to hear. So Lord, have your way. We want to give you all the praise for anything that we have from you by way of your revelation. We pray this in your son's wonderful, awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined from the materials you received when you came in this morning, the first truth is simply this. God will reveal himself to us right where we are. You don't have to go anywhere. God wants to reveal himself to you right where, right where you are. Matter of fact, he does them through his word. You have access to his word. He's longing to reveal himself to you. The first truth here is, as he reveals himself to us right where we are, as we humbly wait for his appearing, are, are you waiting to hear what he has to say to you? This is what we see with Abraham. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mary as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth. Notice that Abraham is at home, sitting in his doorway. Sounds like it's a little uncomfortable in the heat of the day, waiting for God to show him what to do, what's coming next. Notice in this passage, it's very interesting, the play on words between the singular and the plurality of this divine personage that's appeared. Notice in verse 1 it says, the Lord, the Lord appeared. But then we're told in verse 2, he looked up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing in front of him. Well, which is it? Is it one or three? Yes, it appears. Of course, it leaves room for the Trinity, does it not? Some sort of a Christophany, perhaps? You'll see this wordplay throughout this whole passage, this whole chapter. Notice how he runs to meet them. Some of us are running from God. He runs towards the Lord to go hear what the Lord will reveal to him. Notice also in this encounter the humility. He bows himself to the earth. Scripture throughout tells us of our need to approach God in great humility. 1 Peter 5, 6, Peter writes, and by the way, Peter would know. Remember Peter, Mr. Denier guy? Remember that guy? This is what he says. Hey, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so at the proper time he may exalt you. You recall at one point Peter was pretty arrogant with his proclamation that he never knew him. He never knew Jesus. God humbled him. He's basically giving us incredible advice here. Humble yourselves. Because if you don't, he's going to do it now. Micah 6 8. He's told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Solomon writes, Proverbs 29 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. We need to approach God with great humility that we might hear from him, that we might be teachable. But secondly, as we long to be in his presence, God will reveal himself to us right where we are as we humbly wait for his appearing and as we long to be in his presence. I love this in verse 3. Look what it says. And he said, Oh Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass your servant. You know, said, you guys, would you guys just hang out with me for a while? Could you guys just stay here? I just want to be with you. Is that your heart towards God? That you just want to be with him? I hope that's the case. Yes. Longing for his presence. Longing for his favor. I remember back in the day when you played sports, uh, you're on a team, and I always knew that if the coach was yelling at me, I was still a part of the team, I was a player, right? But then when he quit yelling at you, he's yelling at somebody else, and you know you're on the bench, and he's dealing with somebody else, and you kind of go, boy, am I even a player anymore? I, I want God to deal with me. I don't want to be benched. I don't want him to desert me or to overlook me. We need to seek his presence, seek his favor, as we long for his presence. But thirdly here, as we eagerly seek to serve him with our best, notice Abraham's intent here. Oh man, you guys are going to stay here? This is great. Look at verse 4. Look at the water he brought. Wash your feet and rest yourselves in the tree. Well, I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on. You know, let me take care of you for a while, then you can leave. Since you've come to your servants, so they said, do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seeds of fire flower needed. Take some pace. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. Water for refreshment, bread and meat for nourishment. Notice how he keeps hurrying. He hurried and he ran. He was eager. Verse 6 and 6. And 8, it says, quick, verse 6, verse 7, he ran to the herd, very end of verse 7, prepared it quickly. He's, he's all about it, and he's not shrinking back. He is moving towards the Lord and doing all he can with his very best. Have you given him your best? Sometimes we like to give God the leftovers, right? Well, I've got some leftovers, here's some leftovers. By the way, we're not all that eager about it either. Well, maybe you can have a level of As opposed to being eager to give the best. The choice caps, the courage and the milk. Here we see that Abraham has the gift of hospitality. Um, Catherine and I love to display the gift of hospitality. When people come to our home, we try to just kind of roll out the red carpet, do really nice, awesome things a nice meal or whatever. Why? Because we've been to other places where someone rolled out the red carpet for us and were very kind to us and sharing an incredible meal with us. Just incredible kindness. 
the love of guests or a stranger. Philonexia in the New Testament by way of the Greek. Romans 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Yes. Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You can almost think that maybe this is a reference to this very incident. But not only that, notice fourthly here, as we quietly abide with him, God will reveal himself to us right where we are as we quietly abide with him. Look at verse 8, at the very end. He's got all the fixings, all the foods out, he's served it all, he's rolled up the red carpet, their feet are washed, and they're now dining. It says that he stood by them in the tree while they ate. Notice it says he's not eating with them. <laughs> he's just watching these guys enjoy a nice meal. He just wants to be with them. Here we have Abraham just simply abiding with the Lord. And he seemed quite content to do so. If I were to say, hey, let's spend five minutes in silence and you just spend some time with the Lord right now. This is a, five minutes of silence. I'll tell you what, in about 60 seconds, many of you become very uncomfortable. Why? Because we don't, we're not really good at practicing our abiding with Him. Oh, that we would be more comfortable with that. As we would just stand by under the tree while they ate, while we just abide with the Lord. This is what Jesus reminds us in John 15. It won't be on the screen. He says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, but listen, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish to be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Uh, maybe you're wrestling with your joy level this morning. You know, I don't know if your joy tank is full or overflowing. I don't know where you are. He does. But if you're missing some joy, the question might be, uh, are you abiding in him? Are you spending time with him? Enjoying his very presence. Beloved, the text is very clear. God will reveal himself to us right where we are as we humbly wait for his appearing, as we long to be in his presence, as we eagerly seek to serve him with our best, and as we quietly abide with him. But secondly here this morning, God has reassured us with his, reassured us with his promises. Here we see, first of all, that he will most certainly keep his word. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, well, she's in the tent. 
Verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind me, behind your mother. He will most certainly keep his word. You're going to have a child. We've been talking to you about this, Abram, for a long time, and now it's going to happen in a year from now. Notice what they said. I will surely return. And the Lord says, I will surely return. Just like General MacArthur with regard to the Philippines World War II, I shall return. Or more currently, you're familiar with Arnold, I'll be back. You have to remember that God plays for keeps. And what he says, he will most certainly bring about. What he says stands. He will most certainly keep his word. But secondly here, nothing is too difficult for him. Notice the situation. Verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What's the answer to that? No, nothing's too hard for him. And the appointed time I'll return to you, he says. But this time, about this time next year, Sarah shall have a son. Note that the situation here is not just difficult. It's impossible. Sarah was past childbearing years. This is beyond menopause. And now God's going to do this amazing thing in one year. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jesus looked at them and said, as he discusses with the disciples, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. I just ask you, how big is your God? There's nothing that's too difficult for him. Nothing's too hard for him. For all things are possible with him. The question is, will we trust him with that? Will we wait for him on that? Or will, will, will we take matters into our own hands and try to sort ourselves out? Oh, that we wait on him for his good pleasure with what he can do, because he can handle it. Why? Because nothing's too difficult for him. Thirdly here, precisely because he knows our fears. Are you hearing this? God has reassured us with his promises in that he will most certainly keep his word. Nothing is too difficult for him, and he knows our fears. He knows what we're all afraid of. Those what it says in verse 15, but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. Why? For she was afraid. I'm not really sure, but you can wonder, what is she afraid of? What's her fear about? He said, no, he did laugh. We know. I know, God says. Sarah, of course, tries to cover her fear with a lie. The reality is you don't have to hide your fears anymore, no matter what's going on in your world. He knows your fears. He knows what you're longing for. He knows your hurts. Rather that all of us would cry out to him with what we are afraid of the most. God, I'm afraid of this. Name it. I'm afraid. Would you help me with my fears? Help me in my belief and my faith. Thirdly here this morning, God has chosen us for his purposes. And that's exactly what we see with Abraham here. Notice, first of all, God has chosen us for his purposes to show us what we need to know. This is very interesting. Look at how this unfolds. I just had this discussion about a year from now, a child's going to come here. Here he comes. Wait for it. 
Verse 16, then the men set out from there. So now they're leaving, and they look down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. He's being a good host. Uh, he tends to his guests as they leave the area. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. God has, has chosen us for his purposes. And here we see that he wants to show us what we need to know. He wants to show Abraham what he needs to know and what's going to take place. Shall I hide from Abraham? No. We're going to disclose it to him. We're going to let him know what's going on. Again, it's God's heart to reveal things to us that are important to us. And God has done precisely that through his word. Out of his protection, he doesn't necessarily show us everything. But he shows us exactly what we need to know when we need to know it. This is important. The scripture puts it this way. Your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have this idea with God that, man, I, can you just give me a big searchlight so I can see everything? And God says, no. I'm going to give you a little lamp here, and it's a light for your feet. You get to see the next step. That's all I'm going to give you. Yeah, you can see the path. The path goes that way, but you need to just take the next step. That, that's sufficient. Will you trust me with that? So no, we don't get a you know, huge searchlight to try to figure it all out. By the way, if you have the searchlight to look at all of it, it probably can bring you out. But he's gracious and he protects us and gives us exactly what we need to know when we need to know it and nothing more to show us what we need to know. The second here, to help us lead our family in the way of the Lord. Notice what the angels are saying here, these messengers. For I have chosen him, the Lord says, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. This is important. This isn't going to be just important just for Abraham, but it's going to be important to his heritage, to those who come after him, through Isaac, through Jacob. This is all going to carry down. And I'd like to remind everyone in this room, you all have been chosen by God to help your children and your grandchildren, all those in your household, to keep the way of the Lord. When our children are making poor choices, we need to go after them and talk to them about these choices they're making. Aaron, the high priest, did not go after his boys in their rebellion, and they were incinerated on the altar. Eli, in Samuel's day, didn't go after his boys, and they stole offerings from the people and were outrageously promiscuous, and they were lost in battle with no remedy of redemption. I just want to say to the fathers in the room, hey, wake up! God has chosen you to lead your children and your household to keep the way of the Lord. How are you doing with that? Are you leading? By the way, if you're not leading, don't expect anybody to follow you, right? God has chosen us for his purposes to help us lead our family in the way of the Lord. God has chosen us for these things. But not only that, he's chosen us to make us righteous and just. Notice what it says. For I have chosen him in verse 19 that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. He's out to make us righteous and just by his grace and ultimately through Christ. From the very beginning, God's purpose for us has been holiness. Why? Because we've been rebelling against him. Ephesians 1 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
In Romans 8, 29, for those who before knew, he also predestined to conform the image of his Son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Well, to be conformed to the image of Christ is to be someone who's been made holy. If you're in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ, you will most certainly be becoming more righteous and just. How are you doing on that? you have a growth trajectory, or are you wrestling? God has chosen us for his purposes here. And fourthly, to bring about his promises in us. By doing righteousness and justice, verse 19 says, but it goes on to say, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God just wants to bless you, but we lose access to his promises through our own personal rebellion. How often times have we kicked the can down the road where God wanted to bless us, and our own rebellion says, no, I can't bless him now. I'm going to wait until such time as they find themselves on their face before me. God just wants to bless us. Your rebellion against God will always cost you way more than you can ever pay. God is willing to grant you all that you're longing for through his promises if you would only trust him in all things. He wants to bring about his promises in us. But fifthly here, God has chosen us for his purposes to show us the spiritual danger that others are in. That's what it says in verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very great, we'll get into that in the weeks to come. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. By the way, if you think God doesn't know what was going on, no, he knew full well what was going on. And if not, he says, I will know, he's God. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, and Abraham still stood before the Lord. And now you can just imagine as they hear, you know, here's, here's Abraham imagining, here, here's you know, the Lord, this entourage of three, where one seems to stay and now two go, because two are going to show up to talk a lot, let's stay tuned to that. But anyway, whatever's happening here, you're going to go down to Sodom? Well, that's really messed up, and I know you guys are righteous, I know the Lord is righteous. Oh no. You can imagine his thoughts going to a lot. This is not going to be good. The reality here is that God is pointing out to him the spiritual danger that others are in. And that's what's true about everybody around us. Without God's protection, Lot and his family is in serious danger of receiving God's wrath. Who do you know right now in your midst, in your Extended family, friends at work who are at risk. God reveals himself to us to show us their need so that we might help them. Last thing this morning, don't miss this as we wrap this up today. Beloved, we need to earnestly pray for those who are in harm's way. The remainder of what we have here really is just an extended dialogue with the Lord, with Abraham, pleading, crying out, saying, oh, God, won't you save? Won't you save? Won't you make the difference? So what should we do here in our prayer? First of all, we need to pray for God's justice. Then Abraham, verse 23, drew near and said, well, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Hey, you know, maybe there's some righteous there. You shouldn't wipe them all out. I know the rest are wicked, but not everybody. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare, spare for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so the righteous spares the wicked. 
Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, Well, if I find some 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. As Paul mentions in his letter to the Romans in chapter 8, sometimes we don't know how to pray, right? We don't know how to cry out to God. But this is what we know with great certainty. Surely the judge of all the earth will do that which is just. I've said that many times over the years. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, and it might seem to you that this seems pretty unjust, what you're going through. But surely, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Yes, he will. Why? Because he's God. Uh, yes. So we need to pray for God's justice in accordance with his justice. But secondly, we also can pray with boldness. Not boldness in ourselves, but now especially for those who are in Christ, we have a boldness that we can come to God, the Father, through the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 27, Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Notice his humbleness. You know, I know I really don't have a right to be asking you anything. Because I'm just a, I'm a glob of dust here. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it before I find 45 there. If I find 45 there. Pray for God's justice. Pray with a humble boldness in Christ. Thirdly here, pray without ceasing. Now at this point, you can imagine you know, that God might become exasperated with this ongoing discussion. But now Abraham keeps going. He keeps praying. He keeps calling out to God. In verse 29, again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. They said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I am undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. They said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. You can imagine Abraham's like, you know, I don't want to be butting you too much, but I've got a problem here, because Lot's there. Don't become angry. I'll speak again for this one. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, Abraham returned to his place. Notice Abraham's persistence in prayer, which is like in the 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Start praying, keep praying. Of course, he whittles God down to 10, right? 10, perhaps the likely number of Lot's entire household. We don't know for sure, but that's possible. But Jesus shares a parable in Luke 18 where he says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You ever feel like that sometimes? But I just keep praying and nothing changes. And Jesus says to his disciples, I, I, wanted, I want you to hear this so you don't lose heart in your prayers. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Well, that's basically an evil judge, right? And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Oh, cry out to him. This is a call to prayer. 
cried out to him for what he would do. For years he'd been crying out to God about this whole problem with abortion or nation, and finally the Supreme Court struck it down. That, that happened through prayer. Praise God. A cult of prayer. We shouldn't shrink back. We should keep praying. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? What's the answer? No. I tell you, Jesus said, that he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Got a little reminder, hey, will you be faithful? Will you keep seeking me in prayer? As I mentioned just a few years ago, my uncle Clark passed away. He died of cancer. Likely the cancer that he had was brought on by the Agent Orange that he experienced in the jungles of Vietnam. We prayed for years for his redemption. And quite frankly, to this day, we are uncertain of his spiritual status in the end. You might ask, well, what was the point of that? All those prayers, all those years, and you, you didn't see anything. But in the process of our prayers for Clark, God did something else amazing. In the process of our fervent prayers as a family, one of his twin boys came to Christ. Just last summer, I had the privilege of marrying him to his Christian bride. You know, we're attending church together. And next week, we're going to be on vacation at the Maranatha Bible Conference, and my cousin Dash will be there hearing awesome biblical teaching all week. You guys, you understand what a miracle. And now we're praying for his twin brother to pray that he too would come to Christ. He's also wrestled with alcohol. Sins of the Father carry down. But it's a miracle. We prayed all those years that God had a different plan that he brought about. God is in the process of revealing himself to us. He has chosen us for his divine purposes and reassured us with his promises. But there are those around us who are in grave danger of facing eternal consequences from a holy and just God. Beloved, we need to earnestly pray for those who are in harm's way. And my question as we close today is, who do you need to be praying for? Maybe you've already been praying for years. My encouragement to you as the call goes out, the call for prayer, don't lose heart. Keep seeking your King. Keep seeking your Savior fervently. Cry out to him. Share with him your fears, your greatest concerns. Let him hear it. Let him receive it. And let him bring comfort and encouragement. And let him restore your joy as only he can. This is where we need to end up. On our face before him, seeking him fervently in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace toward us. Lord, I just know that there are many here who have dear family members who are lost. Or we do. Those who are and Lord, we cry, we come before you and cry out to you.
for their salvation. And Lord, we're not going to shrink back. We're going to keep knocking on your door. Your word says that we should seek. We should ask. We should knock. And so that's what we're doing. We're seeking, we're asking, we're knocking. And so Lord, give us a humble boldness to come before you, to cry out to you with all that's on our heart. This is Abraham cried out to you over Lot. His nephew. May we pray out to you for our family members, or dear friends and co-workers. Lord, may we be the agent of your salvation. May you use us for your purposes to touch hearts and lives, to encourage people to follow you and trust you in life. Lord, thank you for the answer to prayer we saw in our own family with Dash's response to the gospel. As we heard his testimony as he was being baptized your great salvation. And Lord, we look forward to seeing what you're going to do with the rest of the family. So Lord, have your way. Have your way in all of us, in all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. We want to give you all the praise because of your word today. We pray this through some wonderful, awesome name. Amen. Have a wonderful, fantastic week. Thank you so much for coming.